And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John all right, we are back. It is the Weighing In Podcast with the real punk, my man Josh Thompson and me, here to talk about all of the things that are happening. Crowd goes wild. In the sports, I don't think the crowd's going wild, really. But Always goes there's wild. a lot going on with a lot of discussion about judging in MMA. Oh, my Ooh. God. Amazing. The, the, the differences of opinions. It's awesome. Got to love it. What are, you, what are you doing, though, man? You, how you feeling? You shut the gym down. You feeling all right now? Everything good? Well, it's not fully shut down. We have until next Wednesday the first. So I'm still I'm still teaching classes, still dealing with it right now. But we have another we've got another couple of days. I'm gonna start moving everything out by Sunday. I only gotta move one side of the gym, like the jitsu mats off the wall, jitsu mats on the ground. But I gotta move the studio as well. I'm gonna clean out some little odds and ends stuff. But realistically, it just comes down to where the hell am I gonna put all this shit? Like, put it in my garage until. So I'm cleaning out the garage right now this week, spending that time doing that. You know, you've got all these other things going on. So it's a, it's been it's been a little bit of a process. I mean, a lot of the families, too, they're like, you know what? This is kind of perfect timing. June 1st, kids get out of school May 28th to June 3rd. So then they're going to go on vacation for a week or two. They come back, get ready to roll right into training. So it'll kind of work out. I think everything will be good. So we'll, the um, new location should be opening probably sometime around June 20th to June 25th. It's a big location. Um, we'll have more about that as it all happens coming up and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be more of a partner in it versus being someone that is every day in the grind. John, you know the deal. Ooh. And you, you own a gym. You know the daily grind is just it's it's horrible. It sucks. I mean, it's you love it because <laughs> yeah. there's so many people that you just have learned to connect with, and you that's the hard part of letting go of yes, it is. of all the, the youth, the, the kids that you've worked with, the adults that are you know your friends now. I mean, I've got a lot of friends that I've built through this this uh, gym, so it's hard to let it go. But I also know for a better business opportunity, this was a big this was a big deal, and uh, it's already opened up some other opportunities. Um, you know, also too that I've been working on. So there's going to be a lot more room for advancement in terms of financially. So that's what we're looking for. Be work, work smarter, not harder kind of situation is where we're at right now. So I, I never good. thought the words work smarter for me would ever come out of my mouth. <laughs> it is impressive. So, well, you know, John, you've been around me long enough now. We've been doing the show for a while. And, you know, I, I never stop, man. Like oh. that's, I'm always picking up. I'm always like, hey. I'm always talking about sponsors. I'm always working on something. I'm always trying to figure out something. So I don't stop, man. I just, I got to keep moving, keep going. So that's the way I, I am. From, figure I, it out. I, look, if I was, if we were young and you were starting off in your, your profession of being a fighter at the time, I would never have called you the punk. I would have called you the angler. Everyone would have thought you were a fisherman, <laughs> but you're always looking for that angle. Oh, <laughs> I am. You're the angler, I'm man. I'm always trying to figure it out, man. Awesome. Like it's. It's about who you, it's about like, it's not just like, I know people say like, it's not, it's not about what you know, it's who you know. A little bit of that is true, but a lot of it has to do with like the relationships you build, but like, just people you connect with. And look, I don't connect with a lot of people. No, but it's, you all, know, but I mean, it's like, also what you do with those relationships. Cause it's not, you always getting something out of them. You got to put into them. You got to give a lot of the time and that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah, there's works. a lot of that, a lot of these relationships that I've, that I've had over the years. It just wasn't the right time. There was relationships that, like I said, with this new location that I'm working with or, or that, I, that I'm, I'm involved in, um, it's a relationship that happened 
12 years ago. Yeah. It's just now coming to fruition yeah, now, just getting it all done. And then that's not even it. There's, there's going to be multiple, you know, locations that are, we're already kind of talking about and working on. So there's just a lot of things. That, it's been years building up and eventually it's going to happen. And just things take time. You know, like I remember when I opened up my gym, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have like two or three within like the first two years. Fuck. I only had one. I extended it to two and I was like, man, I'm done. Yeah. This is, this is way too much more. This is too much. It's like, and it's, there's certain months you make a lot of money. You know, I mean, what I mean is, like, I mean, what I mean by a lot of money is there's times where I was only making twelve, fifteen thousand a month. And I was like, that was good money for me at the time. You know, when you're talking about just owning a gym and nothing else, no fight money coming in. But then, you know, but then there's it, also there's those months times you, when you're losing five, you're, six, exactly. seven thousand dollars a month. And it's exactly. coming out of your pocket to make sure that everyone gets paid except for you. Yep. Yep. I mean, I have a manager here, man. He makes, he makes more money than me because I pay him one off, you know, like right now we're just getting back from the COVID situation. And so, especially in California, I mean, they didn't just, they didn't lift the mask mandates here in Santa Clara County until uh, the week before we went to Paris. So three weeks ago, a month ago, you know what I mean? I'm like, we, everyone was still wearing masks around here because they didn't lift them yet. So it was hard for people to come in and be like, yeah, I want to trade jitsu with the mask on. Ooh, sounds exciting. Sounds exciting. Like, Let's wear a face diaper. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I'm trying to like suck in air after not training for two years. Imagine that being fat and out of shape, not training at all for two years, and come back in wearing a mask. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, this. That ain't That's what you're thinking to yourself. All right, well, hey, let's. Uh, hey, if you guys have not been to, you guys should check out our WayneInPodcast.com. Check out all of our merch. We've got short sleeve, long sleeves. We've got some uh, coffee mugs. We've got hoodies. I'm gonna call them hoodies. We got sweatshirts. There Boom, you go, there John. You go, I like baby. that sweatshirts we got you know we've got all sorts of stuff available there so check it all out with our old logo our new logo our og logo we've got some uh some fun ones as well we've got the terminator logo karate kid and home improvement we've got podcast dave hanging over the fence like like wilson from home improvement it's a fun little shirt but it's fun john's got really small hands in that but i mean reality doesn't really have small <laughs> hands <laughs> i've got small hands it's ridiculous there you go. uh but the rest of it is uh is available up there check it all out at wayneinpodcast.com all right, um, John. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. But first, I want to talk about Pujanowski, the the former Marius. world's strongest man. Oh, dude, he's, he's fighting my boy, man. He's fighting my boy, Michael Matarla. I'm a I'm a Michael fan, man. He showed me how to make the sweep. Show me how to make a sweep. I show you something yes. else. <laughs> yes, he's a stud, dude. He he's a stud. a stud. I know. I know. He's never had the opportunity to fight any of the biggest shows, but I mean, this is a big show for him. He's from you know from Poland. It's a huge. This is a big show over there. And look, the, KSW does big numbers in Poland. Yeah. They sell out big arenas. So if you are the main event of one of their big shows, and mm. look, Pujanowski is one of their stars. This is as big as it will get for him, and you know, he, you can fight anywhere. There's gonna be twenty five to thirty thousand people in that arena. Jeez. That's a lot. Okay. That's it crazy. could be more, but they do big numbers. So yeah, you know, they've done up over fifty thousand. So they do big numbers. Well, I ran into him in London. He was out there for one of his guys that was fighting on the card. Yeah. So I was out there with him. I was out there and I ran into him and I hadn't seen him in probably two maybe three years yep. man, man, maybe longer now however long i've been retired i think he was there kind of for my like my last camp when i was getting ready for uh for patricky he came through and i hadn't seen him in a while 
And so um, he's such a great guy. He's so funny. He's one of those guys that when he first came, he reminded me a lot of Trevor Prangley. They've got these these funny little snide comments. They like to chime in, but they're always laughing and joking. They don't seem like the laughing, joking type when you first meet them. But as you get to know them, fuck, man, they don't shut up, and they've got some good digs. I love guys that can dig back at me. Yeah. I love it. You, John, you know. <laughs> That's how we became friends. John can. John will give you the digs, man. I love it. I love how we just get after each other. Yeah, you do. You, uh, but this first, is a, this... you got to be able to dish it out, but you got to be able yep. to take it too. Don't get all yeah. sensitive on me. If, if you're gonna, if no. you're gonna be throwing barbs, be able to accept. Don't be a podcast dead. Don't be a millennial. Yeah, we get there it. We understand. Right. He he just doesn't know how to handle it. He just takes it. So he's like, cut, cut me deep, Shrek. Cut, cut me, real, me deep. real deep. You're killing uh, me, Smalls. But this is a tough task. This is a, this is a tough task for him. Not in terms of technique. I think Maturlo is definitely the better fighter, the better technician. But the size and the strength will be an issue, obviously. But I also for think a short time. Pujanowski's also got better at some technique, oh, though. Oh, his technique's like gotten he's, way better. He doesn't just, like, use his strength and muscle you around. Don't even really still does because it's available to him. But he, he's gotten good. He's gotten good in terms of, and he's got some nasty ground upon He should with all that weight behind it and the strength. <sighs> but you don't, want, yeah, you, you don't want to get stuck underneath him. No, you can't. But Matrona's got some good sweeps. He's, he's got he some good attacks. He is and, not sweeping Puchinowski now. No, but he, Maybe he will jump on career. the legs. Not now. But he will jump on the ankle locks. Sure, he will. I will tell you that. He will jump on the ankle locks. He's good at getting to that X-guard position. He's good at hitting them ankle locks and hill hooks. I've trained with him a bunch of times, spent years training with him before, um, you know, obviously from years probably back in like 2010, 2008, 2010, 2012, somewhere around there. So he's been around for a while at AK. Oh, he's, he's strolled in a couple of times. He's, this he's has got to be close as, to his 40th fight. Professional strong fight. as fuck. Oh, yeah. He's strong, too. He's got that Polish power they always That's talk good, about. Dude. Like, There's like, something, uh, what's there's his something name in the water about? there, man. I'm telling you. There is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's he's, he's beaten some good – he's beaten some – you know, big names. You know, when when remember when uh, Paul Harris was just brutalizing people, but doing stupid things and getting kicked out of places and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Look at he lit Paul Harris up. I don't know if you remember that fight. No, knocked I knocked him out. I mean, just lit him up fast. He is. He's got power in his hands. He is a stud. Yeah. So, I mean, they're Dave's putting it up. Let's see where. Why did he never come over? How come no one ever picked him up? I, I can't tell you that, man. I, I really don't know. You know, it's... Look at this. Is that the James Thompson... He, he's the, he's he's showing Pujanowski's record. I don't... Oh, I don't yeah. I was, I was like, what? I don't want to see Pujanowski's record. I want to see Michael Maturla. I want to see Maturla's. There you go, baby. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I've trained with him for years. Yeah. He is... He's a sponge. He wants to learn as much as he can, like, in the training room. He's a stud. I, I just was wondering why he never got picked up by somebody. Ah, right there. Who's Amar who's Paharis back in 2016? KO punch. Yep. Second round. Lit Paulo him up. Tiago, too. He's, he's got a he, lot of names on there, you know? He yeah. lost to uh, Kaladoff, which at the time, you know, that was when Kaladoff was on fire and really good. But, he's, you know, Jay Silva, mm. he's, he's beats, you know, beat a lot of people there. Lost to Jay Kendall and then Grove, and Rodney Wallace. Kendall Grove. He's had three fights against Jay Silva. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's crazy. Matt Horwich. <laughs> okay. Jeez, right. I haven't heard that fucking name right in forever. There, right there is the guy that you want to sit there and say, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Horwich. <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. What, Cheers. One of the sweetest, nicest human beings there yeah. is on the planet. 
but he never just takes a shower. Never shower. Never, <laughs> never shower. It's bad. It is bad. John, John, I kid you not. When Trevor Prangley fought Matt Horwich up in Oregon, Trevor's like, he's off. I got uh, I got in there and he's like, he fucking stunk. And not only did he stink, he's like, it kind of started to make me either want to throw up or take a shit. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I couldn't figure it out. And if you if you go back, if you're able to find that fight, he literally fucking Trevor gets his hand raised and he walks right over to the corner after me. He's like, up. he's like, get me out of the fucking rings. Like, I gotta take a shit. Oh, I gotta yeah. take a shit or I gotta throw up. And he fucking ran straight to the fucking he it's... ran right back to the locker room and had to take a shit. Okay. He's like, it was making me gag, and I'm like, and I was, he's out feeling so sick in the fight, and I was like, oh man. You remember Vernon, Vernon White, Vernon Tiger White? Yes. Vernon yes, White do. actually tapped out due to stink. He was under. Shut up! I swear to God, go ahead and take a look at the, look at the record. I'm telling you, if you uh, pull up, pull up Matt Horowitz, or okay, you can do Vernon White either way. But if you pull it up, you're gonna see that he loses to Matt Horowitz. And it was based upon he could not take the smell anymore. He lost. Oh, it says rear naked, naked smoke. Choke. Yeah, it says he, naked he choke. gave it to him. He fucking uh, turned and just okay. he, tapped out. Put done. Oh, jeez. And he goes, I couldn't take it anymore. The smell was killing me. Oh, <laughs> gosh. And Matt is so nice. He's the he nicest talks to him. guy He's so ever. nice. Yeah, he's a little out there, oh, but he's, he, out he's, there. A, he's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. He talks about all but the plans. man. Oh, <laughs> fuck. He's... He would walk out to the fights like playing Bible music and oh holding the Bible God, in his yeah. hand. Just he was living. I don't know if you remember. There was um God, what was it called? Legends Gym in Hollywood, California. Holly, that was uh that was Eddie Bravo's. It was, wasn't yeah, it? Boss Rutten and Randy Bo- Couture put their name on it. Eddie Eddie yep. uh, took his tenth planet from the Bomb Squad gym and moved it up to that one. And that's where it really started Got to kind of grow. And then the gym, it moved from, because it was right at the corner of Hollywood and Highland, I think. I want to say mm-hmm. it was, maybe, maybe not Highland, maybe it was Hollywood and, and what the hell is the street down the way? I can't remember. But anyways, it moved, and it moved down to Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, and he was living in the, the top section of it with his girl and stuff. And I was like, "Oh my god, that is not good. That is not a good." Didn't she right like? There. I, here's the thing. I had a buddy too, and he, most of you guys may know him if you guys are old school. Is Rich Crunkleton? Oh, that yeah. motherfucker wouldn't shower either. He wouldn't shower either. And I want to know this. He had at the time. He had a smoking hot Russian wife because yeah, yeah. he spoke. He spoke Russian. I don't know if people know that, but yeah. Rich Crunkleton spoke. He spoke Russian. I didn't know that about he him. Could, yeah, that's how they met. He was his buddy was Russian. He learned how to speak Russian, so he could talk to his he could talk to his buddy. That was his buddy's cousin or something oh, like shit. that. So then he started dating her, and they were and then they got married, and I think they have two kids together. They did, you know, they do have two kids together. Um, I don't think they're together anymore, but still, like, but I was like, how the fuck does she? I was because he then he moved out of my place, started living with Bob Cook after I went and got my own place separate from from everyone, and. Bob's like, I don't know how your fucking wife sleeps next to you. You stink. <laughs> He's one of those guys. On, you were with Matt Mitrione on the freaking uh, yeah. bike companion. What he was he was talking about? He doesn't use deodorant. He, his wife likes his funk. I'm like, okay, there you go, baby. I guess. But hey. Look, not using deodorant is different than taking a shower. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you can you can kind of wash it all out a little bit and be refreshed for a couple hours until the until the sun hours. starts break, beating down on you. Oh, dude! Once you start sweating, it's over. 
Yeah. It's the funk yeah. is coming. Gosh, man. That's yeah, bad. There's so many stories, man. John, <laughs> it's John, horrible. <laughs> the Rich Conkleton one is is legit. I mean, that guy was weird though. Like he oh, he lived with me for a couple of years. He would he would take a shit with the door open. <laughs> And as you would walk past, as you wouldn't walk past, he would go, "Hey, hey, hey, Josh!" He didn't realize what he was doing. He'd be like, "Hey," or he'd call Bob, or he'd call me, and uh, who else lived with us? Pat Minahan lived with us for a while. He'd be like, "Hey, hey, Pat, hey, Josh, come over here. I gotta show you something." And we're like, "What?" And he's like, "No, no, come here, come here. I gotta show you." He'd be sitting on the toilet, and as soon as he we walk in, he'd have like the wadded up toilet paper with his shit on him. Like, hey, take a look, take a look. It's green. It's green. <laughs> like he just. He was so weird, man, but he was so funny. That guy never stopped. <laughs> never stopped. He was always fucking around. Always. He was a hustler, though. Ugh. When you call people hustlers, when I say people are hustlers, that dude never stopped hustling. He would train in the morning. After he'd get in training, he would go to all the garage sales, like in the Bay Area, the ones he could go buy. He'd buy whatever for dirt cheap, and then he'd put it up on eBay, and he'd sell it. That's how he made money to get through his fight camps. Oh my god, he was a dog, man. He would he was making a killing. He was making probably six to ten grand a month off garage sale purchases from, from, and he would just ship it to them. It would be like this little small stuff people would buy online. He's like, oh yeah, authentic this. Guess what he does now? He owns pawn shops in Florida. He's a hustler. That guy's a dog, and he's he's a hustler. Yeah, pawn shop. He's got like I want to say he's got like three or four pawn shops. In Miami, All right, just, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, the the ultimate turd story. This is Matt Hughes. Okay, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is Pride. Oh no. Okay, because okay, in Pride, you know, think about when you were when you fought in Pride. The hotel rooms were really nice, but they're yep. really what small, small. super yep. small, right? And then the bathrooms themselves are even smaller than that. I mean, it's crazy small. You gotta step up into them. Yes. Right? You have to step up. Yeah. So Jeremy Horn is actually fighting in pride. Matt is there to help corner him. And his manager, Monty Cox, is there also. And Monty's there to, you know, negotiate more deals for other people and stuff. Well, they're just about ready to go. And and Matt tells Monty, you know, they're standing in the hallway. Matt says, Hey, let me use your room real quick. I gotta go to the bathroom and Jeremy's in, in ours real quick. And Monty goes, No, man, I don't want you. He says, God damn it, Monty. He says, Give me your fucking key, right? I don't all right, and he gives him the key, right? And Jeremy comes out, and fucking him and Monty kind of go down the hall. And Matt, being who he is, he goes into the thing, and I guess takes a hellacious dump. And then at, he was so proud of it, decides, yeah, I'm not gonna fucking flush that. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that for Monty, right? So he does. He leaves it, right? They go to the show, right? Go to the. Jeremy fights, does the whole thing. Well, Monty has to stay back, and and Matt never gave him the key, right? He's uh, got to stay back to do negotiations with Motoko and different people in Pride. And so Matt comes back and goes, dude, I got, I'm going to go fucking, I'm going to go crown that son. And he goes in there, and he, he double craps on that thing again, uh, right? And leaves. By the time Monty, Monty will tell you, he goes, look, it was at least 12 hours by the time I first left that room. By the time I got back, he uh, goes, he's just, and he goes, as I was coming into the hallway, I, I just had this feeling. I smelled this thing. I was like, there's something wrong here. And he goes, he goes, he's like, I just opened the door and knew that motherfucker Matt Hughes has screwed me. <laughs> So Matt, 
He goes and he looks. He goes, John, it's above the rim. You can see oh, it. It's above shit. the rim, right? He goes, I just, I run, I get out of my room. I go down uh, to the to the hotel uh, lobby and I go to the counter. I say, I need, I need a new room. They go, we're sold out. You can't. No, no, I need uh, a new room, right? No, he says, you've got to come with me. And they come up. The one guy comes up. He goes like this. He says, all of a sudden, there was this army of these little guys. They look like they're in biohazard suits, all this stuff, running in there <laughs> to take care of it. Matt Hughes destroyed the room. That's <laughs> hilarious, man. It's so funny. I, I didn't really start hanging out with Matt until Hawaii when the UFC grand opening for BJ's gym. Yeah. And we just we hit it off He's right hysterical. away, man. hysterical. Like, I think when I was in the UFC the first time and he was there and there was potential of like Jens Pulver and I fighting, I think there was a little bit of that like, oh, nah, yeah. I don't like you. Yeah. And then, but then as things went on and like, you know, and I ran into him when I got back with the UFC in 2012 or whatever it was, and, and BJ and him became good friends after their fights and stuff. We, we, uh, we had some fun, man. Oh, he's, he's a great, he's an absolute stud. Just a great guy. Great guy. Fucking one. I think I still think to this day he's the strongest guy. To oh, unbelievably strong. I was like, holy shit. And he got them leather hands like Dan Henderson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got them like just yeah. like you grab them. You're like, and they're not as bad as Dan's. Like Dan's is like leather. They're like, no, no. It feels Dan's like you're grabbing are, rock. Dan's are stone. sandpaper. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a good, that's a good way of saying it. It's yep. definitely a good way. Yeah. Funny story in Japan too with uh, James Thompson. I just met him uh, in the. I met him in the lobby at the hotels. We're checking in for our fights, and he get and I, I get in, in the elevator, and this fucking guy tries to get in the elevator. I'm like, dude, you're not gonna fit. <laughs> Everyone knows the elevators in Japan, right? They're they're like maybe could fit two people, but Japanese people, not like <laughs> James Thompson people, right? Like they're not fitting that. They're not fitting him in there and me. So I, I was like, hey, he's like, so yeah, we can fit. We can fit. I'm literally like squir- I'm like squished up against the thing. Anyways, he's in the same floor as me, and he he's walking ahead of me because he got out first because I was in the back of the L- like I'm in the back of the because you got against the wall crushed to the back. Yeah, and so he gets out and like and I'm trying to grab my bag and I'm getting it out and I'm getting out and then I see him go into his room and, he, and I hear and I, I hear the door open and he's ahead of me by like two rooms or whatever. He's like, I can't fucking sleep in that bed. <laughs> I can't fucking sleep. And he's like, hey, he doesn't even like really know who I am. He just says, hey, Josh, he knows he knew my name was Josh. Hey, Josh, check this out. He lays down. I kid you not. At the knees, his fucking legs are hanging off the end of the bed. He's like, and his shoulders are touching the wall and like half oh, his shoulders are off the, the bed on the other side. That's because that the bed, pe- people do not realize you can't even put your damn luggage nope. on the floor or any, cause you can't fit it in there at places that they have the two beds and stuff. You're like, there's no room. Yeah. It was it's hilarious. Crazy. He laid down on the bed. And I kid you not, his knees bent and they were hanging off the edge. He's like, I can't sleep. And his he's like, check this out. Look at this. And I was like, I barely know you, but I thought it was fucking hilarious though. <laughs> he was, he was laying down. His shoulder was hitting the wall. His other shoulder was half off the wall. Cause their beds there are not beds. They're like in a box. Yeah. So it's like a box built around it, and the, the mattress goes inside. Yep. So his shoulder was literally on the edge of the box, and he's like, "This Fuck. sucks." They had no. They, I don't even know if they ever got another room. So no, I was just, funny. but it was hilarious at the time. Oh. All right, well, hey, we've spent enough time just shooting the shit, talking about some old stories. That's so we we'll call right. that story time. All good time. <laughs> so um, story time is now over. Look, my, I think I think Michael Matroli gets it done either with an ankle lock or he finds a way to get to the back. If he can get out from behind, get out from underneath him or get to a maybe potential trip, I don't know if he's going to be able to take him down. He's going to have to find <laughs> a way to tough. not get not not be stuck directly underneath him. If he can stay out on the outside, get to his back, I think he chokes him out or he finishes him with an ankle lock. I, I think Matroli has to mind. get past the three-minute mark. 
Yeah. Pujanowski, like he's he's much better at con- at being controlled. He doesn't doesn't take these giant risks like he used to in the past. He's he's become a, a decent fighter. You can't take anything away from him. He, it, no. Before you know, guys were saying, "Oh, he's not that strong." You know, when they fought him, it's like yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. And it doesn't matter how strong you are if you have someone that understands leverage and technique. It's going to outdo the the raw poundage that someone can pick up. And so. He's a completely different fighter now, but he is someone that he does load up, and he loads up big time and tries to hit you anywhere towards the head area with his fist, his forearm. It doesn't matter. And when it lands, it does damage. So Matrola's got to really just pick and move, you know, just sit there, pick his spots, move, make him frustrated, and then start to turn it on. And skill-wise, he's, he's a much better fighter than Marius, yeah. but Marius is still a beast as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look at it like as if you and I were to fight, man. I'm the little guy, you're the big guy, and Tim <laughs> Burton kind of falls Timber. on top. Hey, exactly you know it works, it'd baby. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking oak then, tree right on my head and my ribs. You, you think, you, oh, I'll get him off. No, you won't. <laughs> no, it's going to be hard. At least for three minutes, it's going to be hard. That's exactly <laughs> it. Three minutes, it's done. All right, um, what else you got for us, Dave? All right, so we we got um, a boxing fight this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gervonta Davis versus Ronda Romero. Davis against Romero. That's actually a good fight. I like that fight. Yeah, Davis is good. Yes, he is. He's, he's good. A lot he's got more, power. A lot of people talk about him being not, you know he's nothing but a mouth. No, he is not. No, he can he fight. He is a skilled some bitch who can fight. He can take a shot. He can definitely give a shot. You know. I have nothing but praise for Tank Davis. Yeah. The dude is good. He's got power. He's a small. He's he's like a little bulldog. He yeah. will walk you down, but he's also good good counter striking. But he's more. He's better when he's the bulldog. He's better when he walks you down and puts you on your back heel. So if he can do that, I think he's got a good chance of winning against Romero. But Romero's a dog too. Yeah, he is. So the two of them. It's it's going to come down to whether whether Davis can keep his chin tucked. And he can try to like basically just kind of walk him down, make him fight in uncomfortable positions. If he can do that, okay, I think he's going to continue to be a bully. He's a he's just he's really good. Well, it's because I don't like, know how his speed is fantastic. He's got mm-hmm. fast hands. He his footwork is fantastic. He moves his feet really well. He's always, even though he's throwing a lot of shots from different angles, he's got balance throughout all of it, and that gives him power. And so. In, in watching Romero, Romero's more of that linear guy who comes forward, he puts you on your back foot a lot of the time, and he comes at you with just clean shots, goes to the body well. He's going to have to work out how to keep Tank Davis from using the angles that he likes to create with his footwork. Mm-hmm. He's got to figure out where he's going to be. Sometimes, you know, don't don't throw where, he, where he's at. Throw where you believe he's going to be at. And I know that sounds weird, but that's just the truth when it comes to fighting. Yeah. Well, they're not big guys, so they get to the they get to those movements yeah. pretty fast. Oh yeah. You know, they get to the angles a lot faster than a lot of these other the, you know, when you start getting to that one sixty, you know, to the to the Canelo sizes, they start they don't get there to the hips into the into the corners as fast as these little guys. Yep. So um I'm not familiar too much with Osullivan and Lara. I know I have seen them fight, but I can't speak to um 
too um, knowledgeable on either one because I've only seen probably each one of them fight maybe once in the last couple of years. You've seen Irislandi so. Lara fight. He's fought uh, yeah. you know, for multiple titles and stuff. Really good fighter. I mean, he is mm-hmm. just typical, you know, I want to say typical like Cuban fighter. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's just good everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gary O'Sullivan, tough as hell. Actually, it's got good speed, moves well. I think that's going to be a, a really good fight. You know, and that's for uh, I think Lara's the middleweight champion on that one. So that's mm-hmm. going to be a, it's going to be a, a good contest. Gary O'Sullivan's tough, man. He's fun to watch. It's a, it's almost that question of is Lara getting up in years where he's slowing down maybe a little bit. He's got he definitely has the fight IQ. He can fight against anywhere in any style. He's just really. <laughs> just a beautiful Got boxer it. so but that's it's gonna be fun those are on may 28th in new york uh showtime pay-per-view so if you guys want to check those out uh davis is always fun to watch so check it on yeah uh what else you got for us there dave all right so you guys wanted to touch on the the whole judging thing from this past weekend there were comments made uh josh you pointed out dc and luke thomas comments that you saw on instagram so i want to play those comments for you guys um, and then you guys wanted to kind of elaborate on the whole judging situation yeah, from sure. the weekend, how it's impacting fights. Do you want the Do you want the video clips first, or do you want them as your? Yeah, I think we got to talk the video clips first, so then they can, um, then everyone understands what we're talking about. So let's right, talk. So, let so get, you want to go DC's first? Yeah, let's do that. <clears throat> the whole fight last night was wrong. I don't know how you find in in. This is no knock on Ketlin Vieira, right? So when I state these opinions, it's not a direct attack on any one in particular. This is just me saying what I feel and where I believe the blame resides. And the blame resides in the judging. It really does. And and there's a lot of times in which we are calling the fights and we get lost talking about the judging, what we think the scorecards will be, and how the fight is going to look at the end. And the reality is when we do that, we are not doing our job. We aren't. My job is not to tell you who's winning the rounds. My job is to tell you how does a fighter get from point A to point B? How do they do this, this, and the other? How do you manage what goes on inside of that octagon from fighter one's perspective to fighter two's perspective? How does fighter one get his hand raised? What does fighter two need to do in order to not allow that to happen and vice versa? But because the judging has become such a main topic of conversation, now we are spending time discussing that because we are so unsure about what it's going to look like at the end of the fight. The show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. So you guys, look at we put, we put up some good numbers for you guys at MyBookie.ag. And John and I do a great job of breaking down the fights for you. That's why you guys are here because you guys enjoy our conversation, our banter back and forth. But we also do a great job of giving you guys some insight on who potentially may win these fights. So and take that, my, go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code WAYNEIN. They're going to give you a, a little bit of extra cash on your first initial deposit. And when they do that, take down some of our information, figure out where we're leaning. Look, 
We're not always saying that person is going to win. We're telling you what are the best betting odds. We're giving you those odds and we're telling you that this person could win based off of those odds and you can make a lot of money off of those odds. So sometimes we will lean with the favorite and sometimes we'll go the other way and go against with an underdog. And that's when you make the big money. Also, we can give you the round by round betting as well. There's so many different ways. You can go armbar, triangle, you can go by finishes. You have plenty of options to bet at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Wayne and we want to thank you guys so much for supporting us and mybookie.ag. If you guys click that QR code right there that Podcast Dave's going to put up, that'll take you to mybookie.ag slash Wayne in. And when that does that, use our promo code to get that initial deposit. And when that initial deposit, give you a little extra cash, win some money. Let's talk okay, about so, that first. Um, what's that? Let's, we'll, we'll talk about DC's comments first. And then, like, obviously, and then we're going to talk about Luke, Luke Thomas did up a video as well that, that kind of backed up exactly what I said last week. Um Luke and I don't always agree on on things, um, and there's other shows too that I, I don't. Most people don't always agree with me on. In this situation with DC, though, is he is correct though, John? That as an analyst, you shouldn't be talking about the judging anyways. It's not your job to judge the fight from the side because when you when you are as an analyst on the side, okay. The reason why I'm gonna I'm gonna go this way go right now is go ahead. You're in a different situation. I uh, thank you. That's what that's what my point but is. I hate is it. that I, I agree with you. I, you're you're put in a different situation because of the rules and the judging and all the things that you you were a part of for so long, you know, from the beginning of the sport. And so with DC and with Paul Felder, with myself included, when I was working side by side with you, we shouldn't be talking about the judging, you know. Um, now if you want to break it down in terms of Hey, that shot really rocked him, and the judges, I don't know, in terms, sometimes judges can't see it from that angle. And I'm going to give it, um, the reason why I'm going to say that is, I sat next to Mike Bell in the Yoel Romero fight, and there was moments in that fight where I was like, or sorry, not the Yoel Romero fight, but the um, MVP Storley fight. Mm -hmm. And I sat next to him for that fight, and I was looking at the, I was looking where Mike Bell was sitting, and their back was to us. I couldn't see how hard the shots were that were landing. But then if I looked down at the monitor, I couldn't see it there either. So what is he looking at? He's look, he's get the same damn angle from there, from here. Why doesn't he have a different angle on the monitor? I was looking at the ass, and he was looking at the ass <laughs> in both directions. And I'm sitting right next to him. Yeah. So it's not really our job as an analyst. Myself being included, DC, Paul Felder, any other analyst that works next to them, okay, Randy Couture at PFL, anybody. It's not our job to anal to analyze the fight in terms of the judging aspect. Like DC said, we should be we shouldn't be judging the fight, but we should be saying this fighter needs to get this done in from point A to point B against B fighter. I need I need to see him create more distance, okay, to land the bigger shots, throw that jab more, stick it in his face, hide his combinations, hide his kicks behind his combinations. You've got to do more of that as an analyst then sit there and judge the fight because everyone at home now, because like I said, I was I was here at the gym all day on Saturday to get to watch fights until the next day. My phone was blowing up with people saying, man, Holly Holm got robbed. She got robbed. And then I went home and I thought Holly Holm lost. I watched the fight. I watched how many times because when we get into the Luke Thomas conversation, John, and I told you this that next when we filmed, I said, I thought Holly Holm lost. Every time she got pressed, every time she pressed Vera to the fence, she didn't do a lot, okay? Controlling someone against the fence, but nothing's really being done. And you're the one in the dominant position and you're not doing any damage, you're not, you're, you're not doing anything. 
as a judge, I'm thinking to myself, man, you could have done a lot more, but you're not. You're just trying to hold them against the fence. And then the other thing for Vieira, it's kind of her fault too, though, because you should have done more to get your back off the fence. That overhook whiz, or sure, you hit the throw, but you should have done more. After you threw, you didn't get it, break away, make space, throw the combinations, press her to the fence, whatever it is. Okay, But it's not our job to spend that time judging the fight because then we skew people at home. Like everyone that everyone that texts me, oh, she got robbed. They don't fucking know dick about fighting. They <laughs> they only they only know what they're you know like they're, they're fans. They don't know about the judging criteria. They don't know that damage comes first. If you're gonna talk about what would who landed the harder shots, I'm sorry, Vieira landed the harder shots. There was plenty of times in that fight where Vieira hit her with a shot and stoned her, or is it stoned her? Frozen. Or is it frozen? Froze her. Yeah. She froze her in that spot for a second, and she didn't follow up. That was her own damn fault. That was Vieira's own fault. That's right. But Holly was hurt. She was in trouble. That, to me, wins the minute, and sometimes maybe even the rest of the round, if you didn't do anything else. If you just need my thigh and press me to the fence, and I landed that shot where I stoned you for a sec, I won that round. Am I right or am I wrong if we're talking damage? No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I th- here's one of the things that people have to think about, and this is everyone's sitting there, and they're dogging the judges. Okay, and that's okay. It's easy to do. That's because you've never sat in that chair. You've never, ever been in a position, and DC is exactly the same thing. He's never been in a position where his score counted. And everyone thinks that the judges don't care. All right? I'm telling you right now, they fucking care. They care more than you realize. They do more work than you realize. They talk about each of these rounds, not each of these fights, each of these rounds over and over again they get on these group texts and they say all right i want you to watch this watch this moment and they'll go on zooms together and they do all of this work to sit there and say that they don't understand the sport no you don't understand who they are all these lot you know a ton of these people are people with black belts in brazilian jiu-jitsu have been part of doing things for a long time look in the beginning of MMA, we had a lot of judges that did not belong. All right. I'm just going to say, you know, straight out. There were people that came from a martial arts background that had nothing to do with anything that was being used in MMA. There were boxing officials that had no idea about anything on the ground. Those people are not still there. Now, you're, I, I can come up with names that people are going to say and say, and they'll say they're still there. They've done a lot to try to stay there and that's all part of their athletic commission deciding that they're going to keep that person in that position. It's not my job to, to tell them what to do. Uh, I've told people what I think is the most important. You know, and any, you've heard me say it, any person that is in charge of an athletic commission and they're going to put someone's butt in that chair, I say, I tell them all the time, I don't care. If you like that person or you hate that person, if that person is someone you hate, but they're the very best person to put in that chair, then that's the person you should be putting in that chair. And if you don't, shame on you because you're the reason that when someone complains about the fight not being judged correctly, you created it. So Mm -hmm. when you're looking at this, the one thing I want everyone to realize is how many times do you watch a fight? Now, and, And I'm telling you this, just it's honest. You get to see more angles of the fight than any judge does. 
in our last show in London for Bellator, I asked that the the judges could get a bigger monitor, a monitor that was probably about, you know, an 18 inch monitor, you know, diagonally. So it's a big monitor. They all loved it. Why? Because they can look up there and when it is the back, hopefully they can look down there and the camera is not the same angle. That's on the director. Yeah. But that's what you'll get. But how many times have any of you sat in one spot, watched a fight, not looked down at a phone, not talked to anybody, not done anything except analyze exactly what is going on in the fight? It doesn't happen. And DC can't do that. DC is talking. And as soon as he's talking, I can tell you, look, I have figured this out by you know doing what I do. Because you're talking, you'll watch something, you'll see it. And you'll forget it. And it makes it very difficult for you to actually score the, the fight because there's times when I'll put a score down and then I remember, oh, shit, like you said, that fighter got frozen. And God damn, I forgot about that. That happened in like the first 45 seconds of the round and I forgot about it. And I want to go back and change it. And I can't but because I'm talking the whole time. And it makes it very difficult for you to come up with sometimes the accurate score that you would like to. But judges are not doing any of those things they're not sitting there with their phone five minutes 100 percent attention on what is occurring because if you don't at those moments that you could miss could be the difference maker in which way that round will go i'm going to go to the rob font versus cheeto vera because this is what you're talking about with damage rob font in the fight with cheeto vera volume wise was lighting cheeto vera up he was landing way more strikes. He was landing beautiful combinations at times. The first round definitely goes to Rob Font. And the second round, he's winning. And this is where people talk about times. You can't sit there and consider how much time really is going on in the round when it comes to that striking things and get rid of the strike stats. All of that is bullshit. It doesn't mean a thing because you can't tell me that those strike stats are exactly the same as far as the power because power makes a huge difference. When Rob Font is winning the second round of that fight, and he is winning it, and Cheeto Vera hurts him right near the end of the round, drops him on his ass, and every judge gave the round to Cheeto Vera because he damaged him. He hurt him. He had a what we call a fight-ending sequence, possibly. He wasn't able to, put to, to finish it, but that fight-ending sequence was the most complete act at trying to finish the fight between both fighters. That's what the judges are going to give. And it happened in the third round, and then it happened again the same way in the fourth round, and it even happened in the fifth round. And you saw the judges consistently give the, the rounds to Cheeto Vera based upon damage he knocked rob font off his butt what 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 judges are looking for when it comes to the striking game look at knockdowns are your number one thing but there are three types of knockdowns you know when i say there's five different types of knockdowns i'll tell you but three locations that you can knock somebody down you can knock somebody down with a punch elbow knee or kick to the head right or to the body or you can knock them down with a leg kick that's so powerful it knocks them down, right? Are all those the same? They're all knockdowns. Are they all the same? No, they're not all no, the same. No, absolutely not. 
Can't be. If I take you off your feet. Yeah, by kicking your leg, that's not the same. It, but it's as if I knocked you down your hand and your ass. But does it hurt? Head. It hurts. Yes. Yeah, but is but is it the same as I knock you down with the kick to the head? No. The brain runs everything. And if you get knocked down with a shot where you get hit to the head and it puts you down, normally that's saying that you got rocked. The way you fall has a lot to do with what the judges are going to look for. When you fall, do you fall backwards and your hands go out to brace your fall? If that is what's occurring, that's telling the judge, yeah, you got knocked down, but you're still there. Sometimes you'll fall back and you can't brace yourself. You get to a position where your hands are out and you're falling back and nothing you can do because your body's not responding. You've talked all the time about, yeah, I saw that back coming up. I'm telling myself, put my hands out there. Can't do it. (laughs) Not happening. So you have that type of knockdown. You have knockdowns where people go sideways. That's a more severe knockdown because people just don't fall going sideways. They'll fall going backwards much easier than they will fall going sideways. So it's telling you they were disrupted more. Falling forward, huge, is telling you there's a huge disruption in that fighter. So that's going to score big. It might be the end of the fight. So all of these things are what the judges are considering when you're talking about knockdowns. But all knockdowns are not the same. And so created equally. But the knockdown is that number one thing. Then you go from knockdowns into heavy strikes and heavy damaging strikes. And what we talk about heavy damaging strikes, we're talking about strikes that you visibly see the effect upon the fighter. You see the shot, and and Holly, she gets frozen. That's telling you that's a heavy shot. It froze her. You see the stanky leg. You see the, the wobble and them trying to hold her position. You see them get hit, and you see all of a sudden they're circling away. They've been coming forward all this time. Now they're circling backwards and trying to gain distance. All smart. Good job. But it's telling the judge that heavy shot was damaging. Then you'll have heavy, heavy blows. Ones that you hear, you see, they hit hard. You don't see that effect that the fighter takes it and takes it in. Kind of the difference that we were seeing between Eric Anders and the Iron Turtle in Park. (laughs) The Iron Turtle was getting hit by shots by Anders that were clean, but there was no reaction. But sometimes... Anders was giving that reaction like he was being hurt. It's just the difference that you're seeing. And both heavy shots, but one is reacting differently. And so you have those heavy shots that you look, you say, yeah, that's a heavy shot. And then you have what we call the volume strikes. The jabs that, you know, it's a clean, it hits, but there's no effect in the fight. The leg kicks that you don't see the fighter being affected by, that's volume. And so that's your striking elements that you're looking at. And I'm not going to get into grappling right now, but that's a lot to look at. And when you or anyone else is sitting at home, go five minutes and start to chronologically look at that. Don't go by numbers. Go by effect. Efficient and effectiveness. What's the effect of strikes? John, there was, I don't know, I can't remember what fight it was, but it was about a month ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. There was a fight that you and I had watched, and we both came back, and I had went one way, I think, and you went the other. And then you went back and watched it again. Mm -hmm. And you said, I had people over, I wasn't really paying attention, and you're, you know, and like, not just me being right, but it was like, like, you know what? I actually would have went the other way. 
I can't remember what fight it was, but you were like, you said basically, no, I actually would have went the other way. Had I not been paying, had I been paying attention, not had people over. He's like, I've learned now. Like you were saying, like I'm done having people over now when I watch. I fights. said that about just, Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan. There you go. That was it. So it's you know what I mean. So when you go back and you watch it and you're saying like, okay, yeah, maybe I think it was we were talking about the first fight, right? Because rounds one through three or whatever would have been judged. So I think that we were talking no, about we were, that we were fight. talking about the second fight. I think it was a, it was a round one. Of the second fight, because I, because I, on our podcast, I had come out and I was, you know, this is what I'm talking about. You'll miss things when you are talking yeah. and you're doing, you're going to miss things. And I miss things. And, and Aljamain, there was, you could take a look at that and say, yeah, Aljamain could definitely have won that round. Peter Yawn, if you're looking for the power, Aljamain is moving backwards off of those shots that Peter Yawn is throwing, mm -hmm. but Aljamain is being efficient with his leg kicks, his volume is there. And the output of Aljamain is above what the output of Jan was. So, absolutely. And, that, and I said, you know what? I'm not, I, when I watch the fights from now on, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to sit there with my friends because it makes a difference. You're talking, you're bullshitting, and you're not seeing everything. You're not watching everything. But the other thing uh, for me, look with DC. DC's my boy. And I'm not, I'm not digging at him at all, and I'm not going to dig at him. I'm just simply saying that. I spend a lot of time, even now that I'm not working cage side, I spend a lot of time because I've become good friends with the judges through you and just because we work with Bellator. But I mean, like, talk to them, yeah. figure it out, figure out what they're what they what they're looking at. I've, I've gotten after some of the refs. You heard me. Oh, yeah. I tell them every what do I tell them every between right. What do I tell them before every show? Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck. <laughs> That's it up. That was my lie. <laughs> because to me it's like hey these and like you said these guys' careers these fighters careers are on the yeah. line they're one fight away from getting cut from the ufc or from bellator or from, or from getting whatever, a bigger contract a good performance yeah forget or from getting a bigger contract you're absolutely correct and so but as an analyst if you're going to talk about the judging you're going to talk about what they're potentially looking at why don't you go up to them and talk to these judges don't just walk past and go hey guys talk to them like you know I've had several of them. I said, "Hey, that was an early stoppage." I was like, "You fucked it up." He's like, "No, no, no, no. Let me tell you, this guy's one and zero, and this guy's two and zero. And the way he was doing this and this and this, I'm not going to ruin his career. I don't need to see him go face down, ass up when he's only got two professional fights." Yep. He's like, "Now, if this was a title fight, he's like, I'm letting that guy go out on his shield." He's like, "But I'm not going to ruin this young kid's career. He could probably have a really bright career. Have I just stopped the fight early and we move on?" Let him go back to the drawing board, figure it all out, come back and be in and get get some wins. And I started to understand it from there. That made a big difference. Also, too, with some of the other judging criteria that I've had several conversations with these judges about is just making sure that I know what I'm looking at before I go talking about it in my podcast or basically on air. That's the other thing is I do bring it up sometimes like, hey, sure. I said I said that I thought one of those fights was stopped early. And then when I, after I talked to the judge, I came on the podcast the and I said, oh, sorry, the referee. Yeah. I said, no. I said, I fucked up. I said on there that this, this, and this. And now on my podcast, I'm here to say I'm, I apologize. Because I understood now the reasons why it was an earlier stoppage. Because the fighter was not as experienced as someone like myself. Now, see, someone like myself or someone like a, a DC or a Nate Diaz or whoever else, they want to be able to go out on their shield. That's they right. want that thing to last to the bitter end. But as refs... You guys understand that. They know every fighter. They talk to, We talk to all the, the refs normally before the fights. Like, hey, what do you know about this guy? Should I look out for this? 
what is he good at? What is he not good at? They do their research. They try to understand what each one's good at and which ones are not good at. And how much damage can they take? Is their chin good? Have they seen them take shots? This guy has a hot powerful punch. This person takes a lot of damage. Okay, is he okay if he gets wobbled? Case in point, Eddie Alvarez. How many damn times could that guy's fights have been stopped? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But they know exactly who Eddie is. He's the guy that will never quit. He's got, he's got you know, he gets rocked a little bit, but he, you know, the majority of the time comes fights back. his way out of it. And fucking fights his way out of it and steals the show. Yep. So you got to let guys like that with all the experience, let let it play out. Yeah. So these guys know what they're doing. I just think as if you're an analyst, <clears throat> don't just spend time blowing them up on you know on air because i've messed up myself it's easy to do spend spend time talking to them spend time hey what were you looking at what did you see like why did you go that way because then now we can talk about it a little bit better because the last thing we want to do is start telling everybody at home that the judging's fucked up and and then now you end up with all oh, the fights rigged oh it's this and then that's i mean it's just gonna get led into something like that like oh i don't know what the fuck they're looking at go like i agree with you go home rewatch the fights Break it down, no sound. Turn turn the commentary off, obviously. You know, break it down, no sound, and watch it. Oh, she got hurt. Oh, oh, she just pressed her. Oh, she only kneeled her to the thigh in two minutes. She All she did was kneeled her to the thigh. No elbows, no strikes, just head position. Head position does not win you fights. No, it helps you win a fight. You know, it helps you win a fight, but it's not. that's not going to win you fights. No, it's not. You know, if I'm going to take head position over me hip tossing you, the hip well, toss wins. hello. Yeah. Okay, no, no that's kid. my point. Well, I, I agree with so, you. So, you know, and so like it's you, there's so much more that goes into it, and I don't want to dig on the the judges. I'm not digging. I'm not taking a dig at all at my boy DC. I just think that if we're if we're sitting on the analyst roles, we need to we need to start doing what everyone talks about the judges doing is oh they don't even care they don't no no then if we should care that much as an analyst we should be approaching the judges afterwards and saying hey what'd you see on this fight why'd you judge it that absolutely. Way? And they're going to talk to you, you know, because they they have nothing to hide. You know, unfortunately, the athletic commissions don't want the judges talking to the media. Okay, they don't. And okay, that's that's the rules. And so the judges don't. So then it becomes, oh, they're just trying to hide. They're not. They would like to tell you exactly what they saw and why they scored something a certain way. But they're not allowed to. And so they don't. But, I'm glad they're not allowed to, John. So they could, be, so it could be flipped around, a, a clickbait top stuff, making it an even worse situation. I think it's brilliant they're not allowed to. It's the fucking media can't be trusted anywhere. So I don't trust any. I do truly shit, believe right. on big fights, big shows. There should be the ability for the media five minutes with the referee and the judges of those fights. You get five minutes to ask them the questions that you want to ask them. I think it's smart. It, I don't. It's because it's transparent. There's no, there's none of that bullshit that comes out about, oh, you know, if if the referee's gonna go up there and say something stupid, then it's on the referee. You know, that's on it's on that person. It's on the judge. If you're a ref, though, you don't want to be put in that situation. No, you don't. I'm not saying you do, but it definitely makes you become articulate as to why. You made the decisions you made. I'd be a fucking Marshawn Lynch right off the bat. I'm only here so I don't get fine. That's all. I, that's what I would be. I'd be Marshawn Lynch right away. I'm only here so I don't get fine. That's fined. it. Let's hear. Let's Luke hear. Uh, let's let's hear Luke Thomas. 
if you initiate the clinch with me in the same way that she did, and then we separate, and I've hit one time on my lead left hand, and I rock your head back, you don't win that minute. I win that minute. You saw a lot of that. There is a case for Holy Holm. We need to tamper back the confusion about how judges are arriving at these positions. Elite fighters seem to be very confused and not clear on what the judges are looking for. And if you get a little bit more symmetry between that, I think you're going to get fewer of these situations, which of course are arguable in either way. What is not arguable is that rounds one, three, four, and five are clearly Holmes. No, they are not. No, they are not. You cannot push somebody into the fence, use a control position where you have literal advantages positionally, and you don't really add any offense. And then when it separates, you get your head rocked back. Dude, you're going to lose rounds that way. Well, then it's just the way counter. that it goes. If you initiate. Boy, he listened. That's exactly. He, he listened to you on the podcast, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I looked at it like she was the one that was getting hurt, even if it was only one or two shots around. Because Vera didn't have a lot of output. I'm no, not that, that was her biggest problem. Did. That was her biggest problem yeah, in the fight. And, and look, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hundred percent honest. I could give two shits who won the fight. I thought Holly was gonna walk away with it, to be honest, because I thought Holly was gonna be the faster fighter. I said that in the show before. I thought Holly would stick and move. She'd outpoint her with the with the harder shots, and she'd be able to put her combinations combinations together. But when I saw how much she has slowed down, she was the slower fighter that night, and she was pushing everything, and it was laboring. It was sad to see, but. I still thought it should the fight should have never been that close. For Vieira to make to ha allow that fight to be that close with someone who obviously is getting older in age, but just didn't have the output either that she needed or the power without laboring out those strikes. Holly's a stud. There's no doubt about it. But it, you know, Father Time comes for all of us. It came for me. It came for DC. It came for everyone else. Even Cain Velasquez. Everyone else that I know, it's all come for. It's going to keep coming for everyone else that's here at 23 years old. They're going to feel it too. It just comes down to the fact that we should understand, not just as analysts, but fans at home should all understand what they're looking at. Damage is the number one criteria. So if you see someone get rocked, frozen at all, and then the rest of the round they're just pressed against the fence, that, that person who rocked him is winning that round. I don't care if you held me against the fence for two round, for, for two minutes. You didn't do shit. Okay, and this is this is where, and I'm going to say it, the, the analysts from the UFC – many times use that phrase of octagon control. All right, what the rule talks about is cage or ring control. And they'll say, well, you know, he had octagon control. People, so you understand, that is the last element that is used in judging a fight if, if the judges cannot come up with a winner based upon effective striking or grappling, effective aggressiveness, then they, the last thing that they'll say is they'll go down to, cage control but the commentary many times talks about octagon control they talk about it all the time when it is something that's never even considered by the judges yeah yeah i mean like if, if i'm just if if you and i are standing square you know in the center of the cage and i'm pushing you around but we're not throwing any strikes like how uh rose and carla and um carla were doing yeah you're going to end up with a decision like the one you got because Carla was kind of walking forward, walking forward, trying to get close enough to get the takedown. Never, even though she never really succeeded, that's what they based it off of because there was nothing going on. Had Rose done a little bit more, give me one or two more strikes that landed clean, she would have won every round. 
That's how that's how close that fight was. But like you said, they're judging the octagon control based off of the fact that no one did anything. That's the only reason why they're using that criteria. So when you get into you know into the other like the other story, that's why when I go back to the Logan Storley fight with MVP, I had Logan winning, but I gave rounds three and four to MVP because he had landed the harder shots and the rest of the round Logan didn't do anything. That's what I gave. So I, it, had three, it, I had to be in three. I had to be in 3-2. It's understandable. And this is what this is the whole part, you know. Again, people are all upset when you when you give the fight to Logan Storley. They're saying, oh, all he did was hold him. Stop. What he did is he took a guy that's really dangerous and took him out of his game and put him into Logan Storley's game. If that guy being MVP wants to change that, then he's got to get himself up from that position. Make it to where you create the situation where now the judges have more striking by you to consider. But when a guy is controlling you throughout that round, even though it's not exciting, I didn't think it was an exciting fight, but I yeah. thought Logan Storley, he won it based upon rounds. You got to give it to him. But it's that's just, you know, sometimes people are not going to be happy with judging either way. You know, half are going to want it one way, half are going to want it another way. And the, whichever half lost, they got robbed. They didn't get robbed. It was a close mm -hmm. fight. Be it a close fight yeah. as a good fight or sometimes a close fight as a bad fight. John, we've I think not just analysts, but I think people, okay, the, the, across the board, whether it's in boxing, whether it's in MMA, stop using the term robbed. Oh, my God. Stop. Yeah. Okay? It's very it's very rare that a fighter is robbed. Yeah. Very rare. You know, and I go, and I'll give happened. you guys examples. I'll give you guys examples. My third fight with Gil... My fight with Benson, all those fights I thought I won. My fight with uh, Bobby Green, I thought I won all three of those fights. That's not a robbery, though. They were so close. That's not a robbery. I, I'm, not, I'm not mad about it. I'm like, it's like, yeah, sure, you're like, ah, you're down about it. But at the end of the day, I've always said this. In, in 10 years, no one's going to give a shit about us. Okay, they're going to care about they're going to they're going to care about Chimaev. They're going to care about other guys that are 23 and 26. You know what I mean? So I don't get my I don't get my panties in a bunch overall. So. It, they aren't robberies. They, they're not. No. Fighters got to move on, get better, and do the best they can, and that's it. But to sit there and dwell on the fact that it's a robbery, and we got to stop throwing that term around because it's used so loosely now. Every time it doesn't go the way that analysts or anybody else thinks that a fight should have went one way because we're professional fighters. If you don't know the rules, though, majority of the time, that's the other thing. We don't know. Fighters, top-level elite fighters across the board don't know the rules. They don't. They have no idea what the rules are. You hear them all the time. Hey, it was like they get their eye poked. If I stop now, do I win? <laughs> you should know the rules. Why are you asking that question? <laughs> you should know the rules. So you know, and so I just look at the other side. So, if the referee answers that, I'm going to kick them in the ass. <laughs> if the fighters don't know the rules, if the fighters don't know the rules, you think the casual fan at home that says you got robbed knows the rules? Absolutely not. Yeah. And so, anyways, there's a lot. There's a lot of different ways we can go on it, but um. Look, like I said, no way am I digging to DC. And I thought what um, I thought what um, Luke said was 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 pretty good. And that's only because it verified what I said. But that's about it. <laughs> like, you know. Um, but in, in, in to be on all and to be honest, John, I don't care who won. If Vieira, sh I looked at it too. Vieira, if she would have lost, I'd be like, hey, you didn't do enough. It's your own fault. Yes. You, if the judges would have went the other way, I'd been like, yeah, you went the other way. Yeah. It's your fault. You could have done more against the cage. You could have done more in breaking space. You could have done a lot I more. I actually think a lot of this has to do with 
Holly being where she's at in her career, people are kind of looking like, uh-oh, this, that means there'll be no title run because she lost. You know, yeah. that puts her down and puts Vieira up and stuff. And that, you know, that may be, you know, part of it and stuff. And it's one way of looking at it. It's a possibility that it's true. But I don't know. You, you look at that and like I said, I had Holly winning three to two. I think you had Vieira winning three to two. There's a one yep. round difference in there. And that, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Close fights. Yep. Like in no way. That, but that's, that's what I'm getting back at. Is that with Logan and MVP, with Vieira and Holmes, and with uh, other fights that have been close, if they're 3-2 one way, 3-2 the other, or they're a split, there's no way you call it a robbery. No. Because three judges they are not that are not skewed by commentary, they're not skewed by anything, they had it split. It's not a robbery then. Nope. It's that three other people that they're trained to, to do these jobs then what, believe and of, that it was a close one fight. One of the judges had Holly winning. That's why it's the split. And I think it was Sal. I think Sal D'Amato had Holly winning. And I'm trying to think. I think it was I think it was Mike Bell had uh, Vieira winning. And I can't remember the third judge. but That's why Mike Bell texted me and said, hey, good good job on the analysis. <laughs> on, the, on the analysis of the fight. Yeah, on good. the breakdown of the fight. No. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, hey, Dave, uh, we've we've kind of beat this. We beat it up, but we beat it up. All right, uh, beat it up let, so bad, got to put a stake on it. <laughs> all right. Let's look at this next topic. We got the official lineup for UFC 277. Um, mm -hmm. so how about we do we get an early preview on what you guys think of the card? It's a really let's good card. It's a really good card. First off, the, it's all right. No, nah, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm being, the, a, I'm being, I'm being sarcastic. Okay, thank John. you very come much. On. The first, those fight, of you listening in your car, Ankalaev against see Anthony Smith is an interesting matchup. I really like that one. I think that's a, that's a tough fight for Anthony with Ankalaev. Um, man, that's four and five. Paulo Costa against Luke Rockhold. Hello, that's why, why, why that fight though? That driving me crazy, Luke. Nope. I've told him to his face too. I'm like, please. I'm like, there's. Can we get a warm up fight? Can we get someone like? Uh, just give me a warm up fight. He doesn't, he doesn't want a warm up fight, man. No, he doesn't. It's driving me nuts. The the real question He's is. He's my boy, though. How much cage corrosion is there with Luke? Because he hasn't been in the cage fighting. No. Like if there, there is, if there is a huge difference here though in that fight, Luke is much more talented on the ground than Paulo Costa. Much way, more, way more, yeah, way more. So if he can get that fight yeah. to the ground, that's a great way for him to capitalize uh, in his approach at winning that fight. But I'm not going to say anything to him. He knows what he's doing. Derek Lewis against Pavlovich. That's a fun fight. That's you know, that's Derek Lewis is always fun. I I just enjoy watching the Black Beast. You know, then you got Moreno against Kaikara France. That's for the interim title. Another interim title. Hello. Why is it for the interim title? What's wrong with uh, what's his name? Hand injury. Didn't he have a hand oh, injury? Oh, him too. Oh, I thought that Figueredo. I don't know. Oh, is it Figueroa? I thought it was was it shoulder. I thought he had a hand injury too. Maybe. Was, I guess hand. Right. Yeah. And is it hand? Was, okay. Yeah. And this was what they were talking about a couple of weeks ago. As we were talking. Oh, about gotcha. It. And then you got Pena against Nunez too. We'll see if Amanda changes her approach to the fights. Let's you mean she does cardio? We'll see what she does. I, 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 I like Amanda. a lot of smack, man. Yeah. 
a lot. And, and hold on. I'm glad you said smack and not snap. <laughs> a, a lot, not only to Amanda, to everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. She's letting it fly, oh, man. she is. She's letting it fly. She's, the shit's just flowing out the mouth right now. <laughs> I, I love it, though. I honestly, I honestly love it because she's confident in herself. She's always been confident yes, in herself. Yes, she has. You know, um, I look at that fight, and I think she could do it again. She could. She's got to be a little bit more careful. she got to realize that Amanda will drag. She will be in better shape this time. It will. I think Amanda won't, won't slow down probably till about half, three-quarters of the way through the second round. But just for some, like for those of you guys at home, look, Amanda, she will slow down. She throws power behind everything. And she's a big body frame. And for her to carry around the weight that she's going to, she's going to cut some weight. She's going to put the weight back on. She's not walking around that normal weight like like um, Juliana is. Juliana's a bigger girl, but she's not the size of Amanda Nunes. And so for her to the weight cut and she doesn't slow down as much as the fight goes on, she's got a gas tank on her. Juliana Pena's got gas. She will still be there. She will take shots. She showed it in her last fight. She's a dog. Yep. Both of them are dogs. But, and I mean that in like a aggressive. <laughs> you mean that in, in, the, in the most yeah. loving fashion as possible. Yes, in the most loving way. Got it. Um, I think though, I think just my personal opinion, Amanda is going to have a, a really good night. Juliana is going to be there, and I hope she doesn't believe it's going to have all go down the same way it did the first time because Amanda, as a champion, will make those changes. Well, you you recall that. We, I called that fight. I thought Juliana. I, I didn't think that Amanda respected Juliana enough, and I thought that this was going to be a fight that, look, she could sneak in there and take this thing, and especially if she got it to the ground. I said, look, on the ground, yeah. top position. She is a monster in the top position. I agree with you. I think that, you know, hey, sometimes you know, as the champion, you you got to get woken up. You got to get shaken. She got shaken, and. You're going to see the best Amanda Nunez you can see. That doesn't mean that Juliana can't beat her. It's just you're going to see a different Amanda Nunez. You're going to be a, a yeah. smarter, more prepared, and more, I think, mentally focused fighter in this one than we saw in the last one. Absolutely. I think she, like, here, look, she's beaten, Amanda's beaten everyone. Yep. Okay, including Cyborg. And so that feeling, honestly, is like, eh, do I really got to get up for this? She ranked number five or whatever you were ranked before. I don't even know if she was ranked that high. You know, and then it's like, those are those are fights that are hard to get motivated sure. for. It's about, you need someone in front of you, you need a target in front of you. Yeah. And I don't know if Juliana Pena was the, the target for her, the motivator. Now, the way she went out, I think she's going to be motivated. I think you're going to see a different Amanda Nunes this fight. I'm not saying she's going to win, because I do think that Juliana has... Juliana still has she's areas where I believe she is a a yeah. better fighter in that area than Amanda, and there's areas where Amanda is a better fighter than Juliana. It's a matter of who could put the fight where they want it to be. Eighty percent of the time, who wins the rematch? The person who won the first, won one. The first one. <laughs> there you go. But uh, the Brandon Moreno fight, Kai Car France, going to be a dog fight. Going to be That's good. A good if, fight. I think if. If Brandon Moreno can get this fight to the ground, do some work down there, and he's got a good chance of winning this fight. If he's got to keep it on the feet, I think he's still there. He's still there. He's still there. He's in it for sure. But I'm going to give Kakar France the advantage. Oh yeah, he's got he's got good you know, for 125 pounds. He's got he's got snap. A lot of guys a lot of guys can't you know put someone out with one shot. Kakar France is the guy that he's right there. He can do it. That's impressive and that's scary when you're looking at the flyweight. But Brandon Moreno. He's got a chin. He'll take shots. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, this is a great matchup. Uh, Akalayev and Smith for me is it's going to be a good fight, but Smith's got to stay off his back. But I, he's got to be on top. Yeah, he's got to find a way to get to the top position. I don't know if he has the wrestling to take him down. I also don't know if he wants to waste the energy trying to take him down and leave himself vulnerable on the feet. Because Anthony, he's got power on the feet, but he tends to slow down around the end, around the end of round two. So he starts slowing down. This is not a five-round fight, so if he can win the first two rounds and survive the third, because Uncle Live will still be there in the third round. Pushing pace, trying to walk him down, land the big shots. The other thing, though, too, with Uncle Live is that he hasn't been utilized in his wrestling lately. He's been no, trying to stand all standing. All standing. So that doesn't benefit him in this fight against Anthony no. Smith. Anthony Smith has got power. Anthony Smith can get it done on the feet. Yeah. Anthony's so um Anthony is formidable for on his feet. He's tough. Yes, very much. And if he hurts you, should stand if he much. hurts you, he's a finisher. He will finish you. Yep. So But I agree with you, John. That makes for a fun fight. And of course, who doesn't want to see Mr. Balls are hot? All right. <laughs> he's I'm awesome. sorry. I'll, I'll always watch Derek Lewis, man. I love it. All right, what else you got for us there, Dave? All right, let's wrap up on this uh, little pleasant story here. Uh, Kevin Holland comes to the rescue one more time. (laughs) How does he Um, end up in these places where these things are happening with him all the time? I think that Kevin Holland, he's he's got that. he, He likes Batman, I know, and he wants to be Batman. I think he travels the streets looking for things. So, so in that sense, he tells he tells his stories really well as well. So that I'll I'll read off uh, how he explained the story. There you go, the old dri- old school Batmobile, the Regal. The I'm Buick driving the Regal. Regal, the old school kind of Batmobile. Everyone knows Batman is my favorite character. That's probably why I intervene in all of these things. I'm driving down the road, enjoying some good old eighties and nineties music, just cruising. It's fast but cruising, uh, and I just look over to the right side, and this guy looked like he was trying to get on the freeway pretty quick. I looked back straight. I looked back to the right, hand side, um, and he's sliding sideways. I'm like, gosh. (laughs) I pull the regal over. Glad I put the new brakes on there. Hopped out, ran over, jumped on top, ripped the door open, got the guy out. When I was young, I wanted to be a superhero, so you got to be careful what you ask for. You ask for certain things, and they start to happen, and you wonder why these things are happening. You've got to be careful what you ask for. One of the, I think he's in Houston, right? He's in the Houston area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. One thing you give this guy a key to the city, dog. It's like, <laughs> just, well, I don't know what the mayor or whatever's thinking, man. Like this guy should have gotten the key to the city already. This kid's a stud. I mean, I, I'm happy for him. At least he's doing good things, and that's awesome. I mean, I like the kid a lot. He's energetic. I wish he'd stop talking a little bit too much in the cage and start fighting more, but <laughs> I like him, man. He, he's fun. He's, oh, he's he, a fun kid. He's, he's got a smile on his face. How do you not like Kevin? He's great. Yeah. He's awesome. Man. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, then we're going to wrap that up. All right. So that's our wrap up on the show. With the, I'm glad we ended on a happy note. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes we end on negative notes, and I'm like, negative man, what are we doing? We can't do that. Negative Nancy's over here sometimes, man. Today, today felt positive. I feel like we talked a lot about the rules, got to try to maybe get it straight, and, and then we finished off with Kevin Holland, you know, saving people's lives. I love Kevin this Holland ripping doors off. Yep. All right, go to WayneInPodcast.com, pick up some of our merch that's available uh, for you guys. We've got hoodies, coffee mugs, sweatshirts. 
Oh, there we go. Sweatshirts. Sweatshirts. Okay, we got long sleeve shirts, short sleeve shirts, and uh, we got to get some tank tops, man. We got tank tops available on this thing or what? Yeah. It's summertime, dog. We got the hindsight's 50 50. Yeah, baby. And the hashtag and still shirt is still available. So make sure you guys pick those up at WayneInPodcast.com. John, take us away, buddy. Yeah, everyone out there, be a Kevin Holland. Do something good for somebody, and we will see ya. Thank <laughs> you.